Welcome to episode 442 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, March 30th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, we are now days away from opening day. How's it going? I'm really excited today. I got a decent amount of sleep, although my two-year-old has started walking into the room just in the middle of the night. Hey, so guys. Four, twice. What are you doing? Turn him around. I guess that's better than crying, so uh, True. it's at least a less, less stressful. Uh, so I had to walk him around and put him back in his room twice. But I feel good. I feel good. Okay. And, you know, baseball, you know, it, it gets a little bit tricky this last three days when they really don't want anybody, anybody to get hurt yeah. in these games where they go back to the um, the big league stadiums. Everyone sort of does something um, different this last three days, it seems like. Absolutely. Um, uh, isn't Toronto playing in Montreal? And then, like you said, other teams go into their major league stadium. It's just kind of a, a special little weekend before we really kick it off. San Francisco, Oakland, uh, in a sort of weird, uh, game in the game series. I, I think Houston they... and Texas do it too. So the teams that are yeah. close, you know, that, that's kind of easy for them and then they can return to their respective camp. Um, I know some other teams might play closer to where they're traveling to if they have to. I believe that's happened in the, in the past, uh, where if they're going to be somewhere, they'll try to, not necessarily go back to their home park, but go somewhere else. But with travel today, you know, even if Detroit was playing in Seattle, they could go to Comerica, although you wouldn't be able to get a game, I'm sure, in March. Uh, it's it's easier in the nice warmer weather spots. But, uh, yeah, we I mean, we're wrapping it up this weekend uh, with yeah. spring training. And Sunday we've got three big games, great matchups, by the way. Tanaka Archer, Bumgarner Granke, Lester Martinez. That is a hell of a trio right there. And then Monday is the official opening day. I, I know that Sunday technically is, but Monday's opening day as far as I'm concerned. That's wall-to-wall baseball. I'm super That's excited. We have the Chata, Chata stanza, Chata, Chataganza on, uh, <clears throat> on the, the site. We're going to have a chat for the first three games of the day on Monday. So That sounds great, and I like the idea of a Chataganza. I, I hope that's, that's been coined. It's a mouthful. Yeah, it's a fantastic name. Sorry about my, uh, my phone there. I forgot to turn it off. What am I, noob? Like I haven't done 400 episodes of this. Well, I haven't done all 400, but either way, I'm a noob. Phone's off. We're good to go. You know, we're leading off. Question of the day. I got one for you. I know you have one draft left, I believe, but, uh, who are you most invested in right now? Who are a couple players that you're seeing, seeming to pick up in, in most of your leagues right now? Well, I think that our listeners probably have a good idea of the kinds of pitchers that I like. Absolutely. Um, and so I have a lot of those guys, but today in my chat, someone asked about veterans. And I, so I thought of bats and I thought of, um, undervalued guys that are just not that exciting, but they're boring vets. So, I, you know, on that list, I have Lucas Duda, Steven Vogt, Brian McCann, Jared Dyson, and Luis Valbuena. And I think those guys, uh, Valbuena is more of a deep leaguer, sure. but the whole group, is interesting because no one seems to care about them. I know Dyson doesn't really have any power, and he's kind of a throwback. But in a, in a year where power seems to be pretty easy to get, you know, I paired Dyson and Duda on two or three teams, where I was just like, especially if they're head-to-head, I was like, well, late in the week, it'd be nice to have Lucas Duda if I need power, or Jared Dyson if I need if I need steals. So, that's, a, that's a great call. And um, I know people have done it in the past with, like, Chris Carter and, and like, a Billy Hamilton. You know, obviously that's a little bit of a higher end. Here's the thing. You know, I was kind of out on Dyson saying, I'm not going to pay the premium. The premium never really came through. I got it. No. I got to give it to the market. They did not go overboard 
with with Gerard Dyson. Uh, he's going to have some ex- extended playing time in Seattle, and I thought he would be going through the roof as somebody who could maybe steal fifty with extended playing time. And I think I think that playing time is the key. I think the thing is none of the projections are giving him full playing time. Exactly. That, that might be a good idea because we don't know how his body will hold up if he you know injury. We don't know if they're gonna what they're gonna do platoon wise. But when I look at other guys on the on the team, I see more. I see guys that need to platoon more than Dyson. I mean, what's Dyson going to do uh, against righties? You know, he's a he's a right-hander, right? So what's he going to do against righties that's so bad? He, he's not going to. He's going to do the same stuff. Power. He's, he's going to slap the ball stuff, around. Exactly. The ball and run. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like he's not. He's a lefty, by the way. Often. He's a lefty. So. A lefty. So I, I think he won't get platooned that often uh, against lefties. I don't think that they have a great center. I mean, they're all center fielders, but I don't. I don't think that they have a great sort of. Uh, and also they're platooning too many spots. So I think that at some point they have to put a guy in and just be like, he's, he's in there. So, exactly. And I think he has uh, a chance, Dyson does, to be that guy. Right. I mean, you know, Martin at times can be platooned. So, you know, then all of a sudden you're talking about platooning at first base, left field, center field, and, um, and, uh, and right field. That's too many. I mean, it's just too, it's too much. You won't like your bench. It's too much. So, uh, cause you always need to have a, another catcher. So that would mean that you would, like what will you do in the middle infield, right? So You'd be some, somebody has to play every day. Yeah. So, um, and then McCann and Vote to me, uh, what I found in a couple of leagues was, you know, I wasn't willing to pay the premium on some starting catchers early on, and then I just pieced out and said, you know, whatever, I'll wait, I'll wait for my you know tenth to twelfth best catcher at the end. I like that and, though. I like the middle area for catcher. I don't want to go all the way to the bottom. Um, and, and you're not doing that. You're, you're sitting kind of in the middle there. And I, I like that. Yeah. I was hoping to get Grandal late and that would give me more upside, but even, you know, the Grandal believers have, have taken him earlier. His hype is up uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Than I, than I wanted. So, you know, voter McCann, uh, you know, I think vote will have a little bit more batting average, a little less power McCann, a little bit more power. I don't think that they're going to fall off a cliff. They both have DH spots that they can play in sometimes if they're, you know, a little nicked up. So and, and yeah. jump over to first for a little bit if they got to get from uh, yeah. get up from squat. And so, yeah, I agree. I, I, I like that. And I like boring veterans can win you leagues, right? Upside's great, and and everyone wants to get that guy who you draft in the fifteenth round and he plays like a top five rounder. I, I get that, but sometimes taking that guy in the teens round who plays like a late single digit early double digit rounder you know so he's just you know five to seven rounds of value so to speak uh that can be very valuable too and just because no one's going to care when you make those picks doesn't mean they're not good yeah um, if you don't get the attaboys from the room yeah or who, the, who cares oh, you stole my yeah you, man i really wanted lucas duda and urban <laughs> santana and freaking you know oh, I got another one for you this is interesting cesar hernandez and we've talked about him some and the, the reason that I like it is that he's six for six on stolen bases. And that was the big key was last year his success rate was terrible. So if he's sharpened that up, now we're talking 35 steal potential. And that's another guy I was hating on because he was only 17 for 30 last year. But if he knows what he's if, – if, if he's much sharper on the base paths, he's a decent OBP guy. Cesar Hernandez could be a nice sneak at, at second base. And, and I've been saying he's going to go 24 of 30. Because I just see he made it a priority. There's quotes on him talking about how he wants to, to, to run better. He's been thinking about it all spring. And so I think he, you know, 24-30, that's based on sort of that 30 attempts from last year. That was in 547 at-bats. 
you know, if he if he just plays all year and doesn't look like an idiot out there on the base pass, he's he's kind of don't be uh, an idiot, Cesar. <laughs> right. I mean, he's 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 kind of been a toot line in the past, but uh, if he does this, uh, then there is the opportunity for thirty. And if you get a guy who can hit two eighty plus with thirty stolen bases and five to ten home runs. That guy is like borderline twelve teamer. I mean, twelve team MI that'd be pretty. That's pretty the thing. Middle infield too is is very helpful. Uh, so yeah, that's that's an interesting player who I've also kind of those two two stolen base guys, Cesar Hernandez and and Drod Dyson, both leading off by the way, or at least slated to. Uh, some of the time I've changed my scope on because the market hasn't overinvested on them. And once, you know, a lot of times a like or dislike of a player, it can be market based, at least for me, especially dislikes. A lot of dislikes are, are market based. There are some guys I just don't really like their skills or whatever. But with, with Dyson and Hernandez specifically, I just thought that they were going to go too high and they're not. So again, respect to the market. But you know, we got to talk some news. We got tons of news to talk about. It's going to be a news episode about, uh, roles being decided, injuries coming up. Uh, it'll branch off, I'm sure, into, into different topics. Uh, we got a lot of rotation spots. One that's going to be a little bit more of a deep league thing. We covered all pitchers last time. So if you're looking for the, uh, the, the mixed league and beyond pitchers, that's the previous episode or two episodes ago, but our previous episode. Today we're going to be talking fourth and fifth starters. That's going to be for you deeper folks. But we got to start with the stunner. The stunner of the day, uh, absolutely for me, was Blake Trinan winning the closer role in Washington. And I know certain somebody, my buddy Reno yeah, Terrace, is, like a, you, is a huge like you on this Trinan podcast fan. with this guy or something. I'm just saying, man. I'm just this guy I know. Great hair, loves beer, loves Cheeto sandwiches, also loves super sinkers. And that's exactly what Blake Trinan has. 95, 96 mile per hour, devastating sinker. He gets the job. It was all Cody Glover versus Sean Kelly. Oh, Glover's gotten four games in the ninth. Um, you know, Kelly's still lingering. Boom, Trinan. Tell us about yeah. Blake Trinan and how eager you are about this. I just couldn't believe that because Cody Glover had faced some guys in the second half of spring training games where there, you know, really there isn't the same sort of competition. Early in the spring training games, when you have your starter out there, you know, that actually... That they're facing the decent. lineup. Yeah, yeah, they're facing the lineup in there. And, you know, after a week or so, those those batters are, are pretty much as good as they're going to be. But, you know, Coda Glover was coming in at the end, and, you know, Dave Cameron had a piece where he pointed out that, you know, these guys that he was facing like he was facing like he'd seen four guys who were going to be regulars this he year, faced so. me I, I batted in <laughs> i batted in the ninth inning of one of those games it was like a raffle thing where they picked a seat in my section and i got to bat and he, he struck me out but i mean you know i battled six pitches so uh yeah he, he wasn't facing anybody um that's the thing a ninth inning thing it got us a little bit excited because oh we're here and he's pitching in the ninth inning but there's no competition in the ninth inning of a spring game it's so bad yeah, so, and yeah, you can actually literally, every time there's a close pitch, everyone's walking off the field. Yeah. <laughs> there was like a tie game, and, you know, the, the guy's just like, you know, the manager's like, nope, we're done. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no, you Everyone know. just wants to leave because it's, it's, it's a day game, and, that you know, they don't, they, they, the only time they get free is that, that dinner. Yeah, the sun's yeah. setting. They're all trying to get out there. They yeah. they think they can still get in nine holes if this game would end quickly enough. Like, yeah, right. hey, come on. Like, I agree with oh. you to that end. Now, Coda Glover's stuff is nasty, and so I certainly like him from that standpoint. I think that if he if he, he got could, the role, he could still be relevant. 
I'm not sure. That, like, I would say probably he's as relevant as a guy, or I mean, maybe a little bit less. Maybe he's as relevant as a guy like Keona Keeler, right? Yeah. Because Sean Kelly plays the role of Matt Bush, yep. more or less. Yeah. Um, and Sam Dyson, Drake, Blake Trainer is the new Sam Dyson. And last year, I said, ever told everybody that Sam Dyson would be the closer, and people thought I was crazy. So you know, right. here's here's Blake Trainer, the same thing. And the thing is. He could keep it all year because, and I want to do some study on this. I have not seen this. Like, here's the the big warning, anecdotal, bam, 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 anecdotal. <laughs> um, I I think that home runs lose you the closer job. That's why I never liked Kelly. That's why I never yeah. liked Kelly. And I think that's why they treated him as a rookie because he's all sliders. I think even Gregerson, they had, you know, they'd never trusted Gregerson as a closer in San Diego, even when he had better velocity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because those guys are heavy on the sliders. Their fastball isn't as great, and they're more likely to give up home runs to opposite-handed hitters. But I think training sinker is, a, is an equalizer. I mean, he's never given up home runs. You look at his minor leagues, you know, all the way through. He's For the major leagues, it's 185 innings, .5 home runs per nine now. It's Wade Davis uh, level. I mean. Yeah, 66% ground ball rate for his career. You know, in the minors, he had years where he gave up .3 homers per nine. So. What do we got yes. on the on the walk rate? You think that's something that he can fix a little bit? He's been that's, at twelve percent. That's what somebody brought up. Um, I don't know. It's a confidence thing. And in fact, I think installing him as the closer might help him there. First of all, he's not going to have anybody on base. You know, yeah, you come he, in clean. He was a guy who was would come in with guys on because hey, ground ball guy. Let's get two ground balls. So you know, now he's going to come in with nobody on base. So there's no nibbling. You know, he's got to come out with the fire in his eyes and his gut, and he's got to, you know, he's got to throw it. And then also, it's a pat on the butt saying, "Hey, you're our closer." And one part of confidence, again, somewhat anecdotal, but one part of confidence, uh, one part of command is confidence. It's mm-hmm. just the ability to sort of throw it towards the middle of the zone. His sinker has so much movement. If he just aimed middle middle, it would take it. He even told me that was a big part of what he what he was trying to do was aim middle middle. Let the movement take it to the corner. That's the thing with with Trinan's sinker and, and and with Britton and and Dyson too, who I believe you've compared in Trinan's player cap. You talked about all three of them. They can literally try to try to throw it middle middle, and it's going to be hitting the edges and darting down and going o- over the top of bats and under bats. Like they're going to miss just by not. They don't have to try to paint because the the sinker is so nasty, and so that could that's really interesting. And I would love to see him just. He doesn't even need to cut the walk rate down to, you know, six, seven percent, which is, which is really good. If he can be in the eight, nine percent, which is, which is around average, I'll take that. Uh, because like you said, coming in clean, probably not going to allow a lot of hits. Defense should be solid enough to t- take care of the ground balls. We know he's not going to allow homers. So even if he does allow some walks, they might not be as punishing. Yeah, he walks a guy, um, you know, gets one out, then and walks a guy, play. then gets a double play, and you're done, well, right, before you right. even can blink. So could be like eight pitches. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty interested. Like I was I was getting a little hyped on on Glover because of the raw stuff. I thought maybe he could be this year's uh, Edwin Diaz because he throws he sits 97, 98 with a 90 mile per hour slider. But you also know Dusty Baker, man. Was he really gonna? That that you know, that was the thing. And the kid, this, the closer role. The closer's role. And that's why Kelly was always just lingering there. That's why I don't have any Coda Glover shares because I was never ready to take him when others were because, uh, I was actually in the middle of a few slow drafts when he got pseudo named and he went immediately. Everyone freaked out like, Oh, I got to take Coda Glover now. So I, I, you missed out there. Um, I didn't take him in the main event yesterday. I was looking, looking. I actually got your boy Dyson. I went Dyson and K Rod just for some boring quality saves. I'm not, 
I'm not, I wasn't worried about the high end cause I got, uh, Kershaw and I didn't want to get Brandon Kinsler and, and, and Brandon Maurer. I guess I don't want Brandon closers, but I, I didn't want those guys. Uh, Rob Silver, the guy who won, who won the main event last year, took Blake Trine in, in the 26th round. Oh. That bastard. That's how you, that's why you win. That's why you're a beast, Rob, because you're taking Blake Trine in the day before he's named closer, you son of a gun. Uh, oh, and he, he's going to add him to Roberto Osuna. Jim Johnson and oh, man. that's it. So he already had two, and then he took a shot I'm on sure trying. Took a couple relievers after that, just for because it's like a draft and hold sort of situation, right? Well, uh, you can't trade, so you have to get your saves uh, yeah. in the main event. You you can't trade at all, and so that's why I wanted to make sure I got two guys. I don't want to be chasing saves all year. I'll still I'll still invest when somebody comes out if they look good. Uh, during the turnover and maybe put put some money on it, but I didn't want to have to be chasing saves. You're not going to win the main event if you don't have some saves already locked up. So Blake Trinan, let's say he's available in most leagues that have already drafted Eno. What kind of fab are you putting on in, let's say, a 12-team mixed league, 5 by 5 well, Somebody asked about you know, $200, and Osuna cost 50 last year, so that's the quarter. Um I don't see – I see this as pretty similar to Asuna. I guess Asuna is a little bit more the traditional closer in terms of strikeouts. Sure, although um, give Trinan – Possibly a worse bullpen behind him. I mean, it wasn't obvious that anybody would take it from him, I, although we were talking about um, Acosta back then. Who? Is it Acosta? Castro? Miguel Castro? Castro, yeah. We were talking about Miguel Castro at the time, so there was a little bit of something, but I would say that Trinan's competition is maybe a little bit better – and he's a little bit less, so I might might go to like forty out okay. of two hundred. So I'd still say about twenty percent is it's strong. It's it's all year. You have a possibility of an all That's year the closer. Thing. So about twenty percent is where you're starting. And then guys, uh, when we is give that these starting, I don't know, maybe yeah. I I just well, I was gonna I say I was gonna say go higher. I would start twenty percent and then adjust based on your league. You're gonna yeah, know how aggressive. Or not your league is. So if we're saying at least 20 and you know you have a crazy aggressive league, you might have to dial up to 35, 40%. Others can say, okay, 20% is where their normal is. My league does not go hard on these closers. I'll dial it down and I'll go 15%. Like we kind of give you a baseline, but you've got to take into account your league um, and have a good feel for what they're going to do. But I would spend here because I do think he's going to have a good chance to keep it. I don't love Sean Kelly. Um, and, and again, Glover, because Dusty Baker hates young guys, I think Blake Trinan has a chance to keep this. And like you said, a full year closer before we even throw pitch one could be so valuable. All right, let's move on to, to Brandon Maurer. I already, I just mentioned him. He does officially win the job as Carter Caps will go to the DL. This was pretty expected, but I know Carter Caps was throwing and so some folks were thinking that maybe he was going to be ready. Uh, it just never really seemed like he was going to be ready in time to even start the season, let alone nab the job. But now that it's 100% official, how do you feel about Brandon Maurer as the, uh, as the closer in San Diego? Hey, totally adequate. I mean, just, adequate just dude you know he's a dude he is a dude he's not he's bad he throws hard he's not bad. can miss he's not, bats he's not he's not very good i mean he's he's a dude i i think it'll be kind of i mean yeah. he's they're, the opposite he's a fly ball guy value, right yeah but they're playing for trade value right you would think so right because he's 26 years old um you know it, he's not going to be some like future stud for them um 
they're playing to maybe trade him at a peak and then and then just insert caps and right into caps the role. In, but how many years of caps do they have left? Let me see. I have roster resources. How many how many years of caps do you think they have left? Because that'll I think be he's some been of it. Playing for probably two to three years of service time. I don't know. How does it work for relievers? I guess uh, it's still based on not obviously not on innings, but I'm looking right now. That's on. He's got. Baseball reference, where did you put service time? They change things on me, guys. They change things. Oh, no. All right, they've got him. In, uh, earliest free agent is 2019 for caps. So they've got him this oh. year and next. And then for Maurer, let me get that, the longest that they have him. First off, he's already making double what, what caps makes, by the way, 1.9 mil. Uh, and they've got him through 19. So they have him for an extra year, but his cost is already higher for Maurer. So Maurer's more expensive, but a year longer. Caps less expensive, year less. And then hanging over Caps' head is the fact that they, I don't know if they changed the rule or clarified the rule when it comes to the weird delivery that he has. So, you know, I don't think that they've been calling it a balk in the spring training, but you know that, you know, you're going to have some manager who complains about it during the regular season and where you have yet to see if he needs to change or if they, they their interpretation of that rule is that he's fine. So I guess you, you, you put Maurer in there, you hope that he's amazing, and you hope that somebody wants him, and then you trade him, and then you put in caps, and you do the same thing because neither one of them is necessarily going to be around when the Padres are good. So Well, and if caps isn't healthy um, you know, or doesn't prove to do the job, I am still saying I'm still on Jared Cozart as a as a good closer. I'm still believing that, and they've actually got him through 2020, so he's even a year longer, and he's the cheapest of the bunch. So it's and the best part about Cozart is for a lot of you guys, he's starting pitcher eligible. Exactly. So just keep him on your radar, you you folks in super deep leagues. You might want to already go ahead and invest if you, if you got a spot. He's going to be in the I bullpen. I'd love to see what 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 uh, what his strikeout rate is going to look like, and what his lawsuit is going to look like when he's not trying to get through multiple innings. That's what I'm saying, and that's why I still hold out hope for him. But I do think Maurer's going to hang on to it uh, pretty adequately. Like you said, you just you said he's a solid dude. I think that that's right. Um, I'm not saying that Cozart's going to steal it right now, and Caps needs to get healthy. But if you're speculating down the line. Keep an eye on Cozart. All right, next I up. A, I have a question oh. for you that came out of my chat. Go ahead. That uh, may be interesting to people on our show, which is this. Which late-tiered closer will get 35-plus or 30-plus saves? Who will stay in their job all year that people are kind of saying won't do it? Do I have a list or just any any uh, that are going? Uh, Nathalie Feliz. Um, I guess Rysel Iglesias, Brandon Maurer. Let me just jump in. Is is Greg Holland in that list? Because that will be my pick, even though I love Adovino. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Because Holland was not ranked above twenty. I was kind of going twenty plus. Okay. Um, yeah, you could put Jim Johnson in there, but yeah. I like Jim Johnson. Okay. I do. They signed him to a two-year deal. He looked great at the end of last year. He would be one of my okay. picks too. But I'm I'm gonna go Holland. Um. I'm buying in the velocity's back. He was an absolute beast when he was healthy, like just kind of underrated too. Just didn't quite get his love. <laughs> we ranked Genoa Gomez 36. I love it. Isn't that funny? Well, that, that's, yeah. and that's where he's going in NFBC too. He's the 36th reliever off the board and he has mm-hmm. a guaranteed job. 
He's, uh, he's going behind Nate Jones, Addison Reed. Probably after Hector Neris. He's going after Hector Neris. Nice. Uh, Sean Kelly. Well, of course, that's because everyone thought Kelly early on. Um, Adam Adovino. It's just funny. Like, nobody's in. Even even after getting named, he's, his price is going up. But it's starting from such a low point that yeah, no, nobody's in on GMR. He didn't even have the Jim Johnson skill set of, like, you know, plus ground ball. Right? Exactly. He, he doesn't really do anything. Yeah, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't strike out guys. It's not like an elite walker. It's not. The one thing I yeah. will say for, for Philly on that is that maybe they're being sabermetrically smart and they're putting their worst guy in the ninth because so he can have clean innings with three run leads and they're keeping the, uh, the Benoit and Naris combo for when things are actually on the line. Seventh inning, runner on, sixth you know, inning, four, bases eight, loaded. Five ERA last year. <laughs> He's so, I think somebody came up with, um, the the Chacon Zone, uh, who writes yeah, for our bullpen report, yeah. <laughs> and he's such a Chacon Zone. Sean Chacon had 30 saves, I believe, one year with a seven ERA, y'all. Joe Borowski. Joe Borowski. Brad Lidge did it one year when he uh, after he's kind of heard of that. after being great, yeah. He, but then he did that, and it was it was vomit inducing. Yeah, a seven eleven uh, ERA with 35 saves in Colorado, mind you, but still. Uh, absolutely brutal. Feliz for the same reasons. I mean, if if there is a sabermetric team among the two, I think it probably is Baltimore, who has the more tradition of. Uh, you mean Milwaukee? In of, the Milwaukee, in terms of the, the leadership that they've got there, being very stat friendly. Absolutely. So, um, you know, Knievel, keep Knievel in the middle and uh, and keep him cheap, and Feliz becomes your hired assassin. Great call. But you know, I mean, you're you're, you're grabbing around in the dark. I just don't think it's going to be Maurer because you know if he is good he's gone and if he's not good it's caps. <laughs> so, yes, that's the uh, thing. Yeah, it, he one or the other might not get the full season opportunity to get thirty five saves. And plus, if he gets traded, it's probably to go set up uh, on a playoff team, not to close for them. You know. All right, you know we got lots of rotation spots. One here, so I'm just going to kind of run them down, get your thoughts on each, and then we'll move on. First one, Mets. This one surprised me. I'm not going to lie. Steven Matz shut down for three weeks. That doesn't surprise me, unfortunately. Um, but Zach Wheeler and Robert Giselman are getting the jobs. Seth Lugo, no. I thought Wheeler was looking uh, to maybe start in the bullpen and then evolve into getting in the, into the rotation. But they're going to start him in the rotation. They're going to run out his innings there and then maybe go to Lugo later in the season. So they're going to do the reverse. They don't necessarily, uh, it seems, care about having Wheeler later in the season. They just want to use his innings now. So how would you feel about Wheeler and Giselman getting the jobs in New York? I, I don't know. Everyone was asking me how worried I'm about Matt's. I have no idea. I mean, it doesn't seem as bad as Price, but he is getting the platelet, um, the platelet injection, and won't throw for three weeks. Which I want to get platelet-rich plasma. I think I want to get that. Just where in your back, probably. Yeah, in my back. Just to see. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if it goes in backs or not. I just want it. <laughs> So I just want you guys to know that I'm potting with play, with PRP injections. I will say this. Giselman's slider is improved this spring. And mm-hmm. it's more of a two-plane break. It's less of a cutter. It was a cutter before. And one of the things I didn't like about him was, yeah, sure, he has a great sinker, and that's a great way to start. But does he have an out pitch? What are his other pitches? Is it just a, a kitchen sink of stuff? What's going on? His changeup is not good. His curve is mediocre. But... If all of a sudden you've got a guy who throws the change a little bit as a show me, has a, a little bit better curve, and has an out pitch slider that pairs with a really good 
uh, fastball, which I think might actually be a tick lower than it was last year. I mean, it was 94 last year, which is a bit of a, a leap forward. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't think it's it was the same. I watched it in spring, and I kind of saw a couple 94s and 95s. But if I, it, it's kind of hard when you're just watching and not actually writing it down, like to guess what a guy is sitting. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, there's no data for for Giselman for the spring in terms of pitch FX. So yeah. Uh, By the way, when is when is Florida going to get with the game, man? I love I that uh, that Brooks can pull data from. From the Arizona teams, and I end yeah. up, you know, analyzing those those pitchers in Arizona more because we have something to go off of in in New York, or excuse me, in Florida. We just have to guess and get uh, and get beat reports. It's such a bummer. Why can't they outfit those stadiums with it? Oh well, see, look, I thought he was ninety four uh, plus last year. He was ninety three seven. So okay, let's say he can have that ninety three seven. The slider is plus. This is Giselman, by the way, just so yeah, clear. Yeah, Giselman, and then the 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 curve is a, a good change of pace, and the change up is a show me. Um, you know, it's all put together by decent command and a good ground ball rate. I, I see him as higher floor than ceiling. I mean, I think okay. I don't. I doubt this is a guy who turns into an ace. What about Z Wheels, former super prospect uh, with San Francisco, traded for Beltran? They've been kind of waiting on it. He's shown flashes. He's been down now with the with the Tommy John, so we haven't really uh, gotten an extended look at him. Command was a big issue while he was pitching before Tommy John. If it's you know it's the last thing to come back, yeah. How do you feel about him? Any any sort of fantasy value in mixed leagues for Zach Wheeler, as far as you're concerned? There is because if Giselman has the high floor, then Wheeler has the high ceiling. I think that his out pitches are a little bit better, and he had a, a bigger tradition of velocity before. But um, one thing I would have liked to have seen is you know a great spring. That would have been nice. Like, not even so much the ERA and whip, but just like a bunch of Ks and maybe, you know, yeah. just a few walks. That would have been kind of cool. Could you have done that for really Zach? Jeez. He didn't really show up on, on his, uh, on this. I did a piece today about the most important, improved in the spring. Must not have had the innings. Giselman was, uh, let, uh, de-improved. <laughs> de-improved. <laughs> Sweet <laughs> word. He de uh, improved. Uh, Wheeler went seven walks, seven strikeouts, and twelve and a third. Yeah, that's Yikes. not exciting at all, dude. That is that's upsetting. Hell, Rafael Montero fan twenty three and twenty innings. He was he was uh, second most improved, or third most. Who was right behind? Uh, in my post today, uh, the names were uh, Brian Mitchell, number one. Okay, but kind of a hittable fastball, and he had a like a four K nine last year, but it was in twenty five innings. So, pretty low sample in terms of what we're comparing it to. Certainly. So then I gave the most improved title to Taiwan Walker because he's had, in terms of K-9 this spring, 11 uh, strikeouts per nine and .8 walks per nine. He's a beast. So 28 to 2. But as we talked about in this podcast and I talked about in the post, remember when I was like, has he ever done this? And then we looked and last the first he started, four or five starts of last yeah, year. Where he started that way last year. <laughs> yeah. Here, I mean, the thing of it is, the I don't want to get off on another Taiwan Walker tangent because I love him. Uh, the foot, man, the foot explains so much of why last year fell apart. The picture of his bone spurs in the piece. Though. Yeah, and but he was having his breakout, and then the foot tendonitis ends up being these bone spurs, and it, it totally derails him. So I'm I'm super geeked on him. So who else was on the list? Walker, Brian Mitchell. 
Uh, Rafael Montero was third, and I'm actually excited about him in the same way. We were talking about Cozart, and I, and I put Montero way ahead of uh, Cozart because uh, Montero had a great spring, 23 strikeouts against eight walks. And on top of that, Montero has always had the kind of stuff where we thought, what if he was a reliever? He oh, kind of absolutely. Only, he could he have been a, a solid fastball. fifth. Yeah, great command of a great fastball mm-hmm. and, a, and a good breaking ball, but the change has been hit or miss. So, you know, I think he could be a really good reliever, actually. And so I've bought him in a couple of places where they're deep leagues and SP eligible holds, that sort of stuff. That's I would I've... love to see them give him multiple inning stints. That's a yeah, guy they... who's... Just yeah. got done starting that they could and give. And stretched out. They gave yeah. him 20 innings in the spring. Uh, that's my next piece for tomorrow is I'm going to try and look at the rise of the 100-inning reliever. We got, uh, I see. really hope it comes. I really do. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit hard on us as fantasy players. That's though. true. How do we value those? When you're talking about only leagues, you know, Devensky and Matt Andres showed up really high in, my, in, in my numbers. Um, but it was hard for me to trust them because – you know, he could. They could be good numbers in relief, but then bad numbers as a starter. So that that means like maybe he doesn't get any saves. Maybe he doesn't get many wins. Maybe when he's in as a starter, it sucks. Mm-hmm. If he if the if the load is shifted more to starting, maybe he's worse than the projections. You know, so it seems pretty high variance to me. Those guys and you know even somebody I was like Davinsky's showing up like really valuable, and somebody said, but you don't want him starting and. You know, we've talked about how his slider got a little bit better. He's a great fastball changeup guy. I think the slider got better. I'd like to actually see him start, but you know, Houston must know more than us because they're they're he was in the bullpen from day one. Well, and they had a they spot want him as this sort of hundred inning guy. So, yeah, they had a spot with Colin McHugh going on the DL, and and not to jump forward. In and the, they didn't even yeah. They gave it to Joe Musgrove, who we'll yeah. talk about. In fact, let's just transition over. Let's get on no, our segue. Finish, finish it off real quick. I don't think we're going to go to all these people. Um, so Carnes was next after Montero. Uh, 30 strikeouts against six walks. That's pretty good. Um, and then uh, Matt Boyd. He's, oh, he's at, was Carnes on the rundown because he's a fifth starter? Uh, no, because I couldn't, I couldn't find that he was 100% named. I was only putting guys that I had a news tidbit that said 100%. Okay, well, the next guy is on the rundown, right? Boyd Detroit. and – yeah, Boyd's next. 21 strikeouts, no walks. Hell of a spring, and walks have been an issue for him in the past. I'm for Matt a Boyd, worried. Do you think he has an out pitch? What is it? No, that's that's a, a bit of the concern. Yeah, is that that he is a little bit of of kitchen sink, as we like to call it. By the way, I love that that we say that when a guy has like four or five pitches, but none of them are are great. That that's exactly what it is. Um, you probably watched a lot of them. Yeah, the, the change. The closest is the changeup. Absolutely, yeah. it's the, it's the closest thing to it. And I haven't seen him this year. I haven't watched a lot of spring training, or really any, to be honest. I watched mostly WBC and then maybe a handful of spring training games. So I haven't seen him. I don't know if the changeup's taken another step forward to facilitate those twenty-three strikeouts in twenty-five innings. But uh, that that's the closest thing that Matt Boyd has to an out pitch. But you know, when that curve is on, it's that slow curve. And it just falls off, <clears throat> excuse me, it falls off the table, but I do worry about its, uh, its, uh, penchant for being hung, and that's why he has a, a 2.0 homer per nine rate in 154 major league innings. So I, I do worry about that, but zero homers in the Grapefruit League, so maybe he has shifted away from it, and now he's going fastball, slider, changeup. So I'm, I'm eager on Matt Boyd, though. I'm glad he's getting the shot. It was looking like he was gonna go to Toledo, and they were gonna give Annabelle Sanchez a chance. To ruin the Tiger season before it started, but they went ahead and uh, and gave gave Matt Boyd the the nod. 
I own an animal essentials. Anyway, I, um, I told you to get him too, so I feel bad. He went out there and he was he was brutal, new man. Slot, new arm slot. Hey, uh, so let, I'm gonna go to my rankings real quick. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna do a would you rather on Boyd. Let's throw Carnes in because I think they're probably around the same place. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, all right, so Boyd, Carnes. Giselleman, hmm. Tyler Anderson. I like Anderson. I know he's out in Colorado, but I think he has found uh, found something that can work out there in Colorado with his combo. With that group. I okay. Mean, I think those are, that's what people are kind of looking at let me on rank. the waiver wire right now. That's true. Let me let me see what I would rank those guys. Um, I would go. It was Giselleman Boyd. Carnes and Anderson. I would go. I think I have uh, Anderson's number one. No, no. Giselleman, Anderson, Boyd, Carnes. I'm not a huge Carnes uh, guy, but I, I. So maybe I need to be sold on him. That's more of a not enough info. So I, I defaulted yeah. him to last. Fair, fair there's or otherwise. There's actually some some decent. Um, there's actually some pitch FX data for him, and he doesn't have the ride that he used to have, which makes me uh, think he's not going to be exactly what he was before. But his changeup has a lot more drop than usual, so maybe he's he's found something there. So I don't know. It's nice to see a little bit of improvement. Um, but I think Giselman for me is number one. Yeah, I think we I think yeah. we're in, in agreement. I said him first, right? Because he is ranked yeah. first for me. He and he and Anderson are ranked one spot apart, though. So it's uh, it's they're they're very close. And then you jump down just a smidge to Boyd, and then you jump down about a level or, or two to, to Carnes for me. Yeah, and Musgrove's in between them, so let's slide over to Musgrove because I think Anderson he... makes me, Anderson makes me n- nervous though. I think I go Giselman, Boyd, Carnes. Well, Anderson's in Colorado too, right? So I totally get anybody that has nerves about and, and him. He's not like a he's not like a, a massive strikeout guy, so that's true. There's going to be balls in play, and usually that means a lot of that means a lot of um, a lot of BABIP and. And issues like that. Don't rain on my parade. He's going to have a sub three ERA. Book it right now. I'll give anyone a thousand dollars if he doesn't have a sub three ERA in two hundred and fifty innings this year. Okay, Tyler Anderson. <laughs> none of that was true. He's winning both Cy Young awards this year. Don't at me. Don't even talk to me. Let's talk about Joe Musgrove. So he gets the job over Chris Davinsky. Call McHugh to the DL. Um, we've talked up Musgrove. We like Musgrove. How much do we like him now that he has a job out of camp? Behind Giselman and behind Carnes and probably behind Boyd. The thing that I'm worried about is McHugh's coming back. That's that's true. So this could so. be this could be a short stint. Um, and let what if what if fires, you know, melts down, burns down. I was trying to come up. With, just shoot me. Uh, what if fires goes up in smoke, and uh, <laughs> in this interim here. And, and, and Musgrove's allowed to stay in the rotation. Let's just, let's play that scenario out first. But I agree with you. The, the number one likely scenario is that uh, McHugh's down for a couple weeks. Musgrove gets this opportunity, then goes to the bullpen, unless he's just amazing. But let's say fires, burns out for, you know, gets crushed, just absolutely obliterated for three or four starts. You think there's a chance that they would do something with him in favor, uh, of leaving, bring McHugh back and put, keep Musgrove in or no? I mean, there's a possibility, uh, but then you, I think, uh, I guess Davinsky's not really on there, you know, but I guess there's uh, Francis Martez. Yes. 
and David Paulino. And David Paulino. And the thing that concerns me a little bit is that Musgrove uh, has 15 strikeouts in 17, or no, 15 strikeouts in 22 innings this spring. And he didn't really, uh, I mean, he, he did do okay with the strikeouts. And I think actually his strikeouts will be better than his swing strike rate because of his command. Right, and that's that'll that'll happen sometimes where because you get called strikes. I mean, you yeah, look I th- at Kyle Hendricks. I think we example. mentioned that with Musgrove when he was coming up. That like yeah. don't get too concerned, don't get so focused on the swinging strike rate if the strikeout rate is if they don't marry as well because he's a guy who could steal some strikes. But you, then then again, you'd think that in spring training with good command, uh, you know, with batters that are getting you know getting in there, yeah, decimating that, losers, uh, yeah, that that he could. That he could strike some guys out. I don't know. I don't want to read. I mean, it, spring training numbers do matter a little bit, um, and uh, you know that was one thing that Dan Rosenheck found is they do improve projections. If you put spring training numbers into a projection, they they do improve the projections. So um, that's that's something to 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 factor in. Um, I like his stuff. We've always liked his stuff. It's interesting stuff. Uh, he's got a lot of sideways stuff. He's got a big sideways slider, and then he's got this all this up and down stuff. Otherwise, um, I, I just maybe it doesn't tunnel right. You know what I mean? Maybe the slider because it's so sideways, they're like, oh, that's slider. So, I for now I'm sort of waiting. I, I'd say that his upside is better than Carnes, and might even be better than Anderson, but his floor is that kind of. 80 to 120 innings in the major leagues with like a four ERA again. That's just uh, okay. That's gonna be. It's not not you know. Andres and Devensky and those guys they may get 80 to 100 innings, but they'll have much better you know rates and ratios. I think. All right. Well, we gotta go quicker on these, or else we're gonna be here all day. Yeah. Right. Let's go. Uh, Luis Severino with the Yankees had that little debut that we we uh, as a baseball community got hyped on. It was. Here's the thing. Like, this is not revisionist history. It was pretty fraudulent, the 289 ERA, when you looked under the hood. Uh, anyway, not saying that I thought he was going to do a 5 ERA or whatever the heck he did last year, but the fact that Luis Severino wasn't ready was not that surprising. But now, gets a year under his belt, got to, got to have some some learning curve there, gets smacked around for 71 innings. Uh 23-year-old, what do you think about him in New York, Luis Severino? He just doesn't have the other pitches for me. Um, he's a fastball guy, and even today, watched him a little bit, pumping 98 in spring. That's great. But, you know, 98 plus a plus a pretty good slider and then a change he doesn't trust is just not enough for me. I'm not buying, really. Okay. I, I might buy him on the level we're talking about, but he's going above that. You know, yeah. like, I, I might buy him as, like, uh, um, I might buy him right after or maybe maybe even before Giselle because he has more pure like he has with that velocity is pretty enticing with a job but, though there's going to be a tax now that he has a right. job for you go for you folks going into drafts this weekend um now that he has a and gig I think I might even take Giselle ahead of him I might put Severino like in that sort of 78 you know 79 80 category I hear you I hear you now some hang on to something put on some body armor you could get hurt just talking about these guys. I'm actually well, I don't gonna understand why did they name Severino the fifth starter? Who's the fourth starter? No, he's the fourth starter. Oh, okay. Chad so Green. Chad Green is competing for the fifth start. They they're not going to need one for a little while. So he and Jordan Montgomery. Um, Are making the team? 
no, I think they're going to be in AAA, like on the pattern. Their their schedule is going to marry to where when they need a fifth uh, starter, one of the two could come up. That's what I read. If anybody has anything different, please tweet us at Spore at Eno Montgomery is interesting. Montgomery, I did a piece on the back end of that rotation, and I went in with a bias against Brian Mitchell and didn't really learn anything that changed my mind too much, except that he has an amazing hammer. He has a really good hammer, and he, he has 94-mile-an-hour gas. It's a craftsman. It's, it's kind of a it's hittable, and he doesn't have great command of it. So I'm glad you ignored that joke, but I thought it was good. What the best thing? Hammer. Oh, my God, I didn't even get it. Yeah, I said it's All a craftsman. Right. But, you know, Montgomery is Montgomery – is, what is he like? He I think he has a high riding, uh, a fastball, and then a good curve, deception – um, over the top release. What does it sound like? And then a sweeping slider that uh, looks a little bit like Andrew Miller. So I, you know, Montgomery now up to 92 plus on the miles per hour and has good command. Uh, as much as I like Green because he has a high spin fastball and a really good slider, and I think maybe the cutter is enough for against lefties. I'm not sure. Uh, I, Montgomery's kind of slipped ahead a little bit in my in my estimations. I kind of like Montgomery. Okay. So keep an eye on those. Fifth starter still up in the air. Again, well, those are deep leaguers. And Severino is a borderline play in, a, in, in mixed, mixed leaguers. You gotta be careful talking about these guys. You could get hurt just, just discussing them, you know. I'm gonna, bu- I'm gonna bunch them together. It's for the Cubs and, and, and Dodgers. Brett Anderson named fifth starter with, for the Cubs. Brandon McCarthy and Hyunjin Ryu named the fourth and fifth starters for the Dodgers. Now, I'm wearing a full body cast right now. Now go ahead and talk about them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think Ryu is probably the most interesting in terms of age, proximity to to usefulness in the past, and upside in terms of you know he he actually had a few strikeouts when he was doing well. He was good. I I like Ryu a lot. If he's healthy, I'm interested. Yeah, and I think the change was a lot better than I thought it would be. I thought he was going to be fastball slider curve, but he has four legit pitches. At uh, ninety ninety one, it's not plus velocity, but for a lefty. It's not terrible. He's in the right league for it. So I think Ryu is probably behind Giselman, but might be ahead of Boyd because he strikes me as a little bit Boyd-esque, but in the easier league. 12-1 uh, to one strikeout Boyd, to walk, Boyd, too. Yeah, Boyd might have better um, health outcomes, but, you know, I think that I think they're right there. You know, if Boyd went, then just pick up Ryu. is fine. McCarthy and Brett Anderson, who would you take? League appropriate, of course. Obviously, we're talking super deep. Oh man, they're and their Twitter prowess does not count for anything in your league. It's a non-Twitter league. I think I'll take Anderson. Okay. Uh, just the it's super high floor. I mean, when you get sixty-five percent ground balls like that, I think uh, it'll be useful. Okay. Um, and then so, Brandon McCarthy, you're just not you're not you're not sweating it. Uh, in deep leagues, I might see what he's got. I mean, okay. At times, he looked good. Seven strikeouts in 13 spring innings. Uh, you know, if anybody could be working on something, it could be him. But um, yeah, you see, yeah, Brandon McCarthy always seems to be tweaking. Good, it has talent for sure. Been I'm snake really bit health wise. His, his first start pitch effect numbers. I'd like to see what he's throwing and how he's throwing it. <laughs> he's kind of gone, undergone a couple of different revisions. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, next two guys, brand new guys out in Cincinnati. Both Amir Garrett and Rookie Davis win jobs uh, in the Cincinnati rotation. Yes, they are still playing baseball in Cincinnati this year. They were going to fold up and just uh, punt the season, but they are going to go ahead and play. 
um, despite a pitching staff that is fronted by Scott Feldman. So rookie Davis or Amir Garrett, how do you feel about either of them? And any interest in the deep league formats? They're definitely behind the other guys. I think Cody Reed has more uh, ceiling even on their own team, and they're behind most of the guys we've talked about today. Amir Garrett needs to, I think, he has decent movement on his pitches, but he has bad command. He's still very raw. Yes. So I think that's what's missing. I don't think that he's missing movement. And and even if you look at swing strikes and strikeouts and stuff, you might say, oh, they haven't been that impressive. But the stuff is impressive. And so it it can be sometimes about command in terms of getting ahead in counts to be able to use the stuff in swing and miss counts. That sort of deal. So. Um, rookie Davis got his fastball up again. He's uh, he's gonna sit around 94, which is gonna be really exciting. Uh, just doesn't really have exciting movement uh, in terms of uh, ride or or, or fade. Um, the sinker doesn't look very exciting. Uh, the change doesn't look very good. The slider is decent. He's he's searching for that third piece. Maybe he'll give slider curve four seam, and maybe it'll be all right. But I don't uh, think that he's got you know. He's not like a Zach. He's not on the level of Zach Wheeler, I don't think. Okay. Uh, just doesn't have the same track record and um, the same sort of minor league stats. And I, uh, uh, you know, he struck out five for nine in the minors last Ricky year. Ricky Davis so. did. Yeah. That's not hot. That's not great. That's not great. All right, three more. Pick your favorite between Jesse Chavez in in uh, L.A. with the Angels, Raul Alcantara in Oakland and Alberto Mejia in Minnesota. Who's your favorite? You can't even talk about the other two. I will ban you from doing that. Well, the other guys are... I, that's mean. I, don't, I was going to say retreads. I, the other guys are older dudes just doing their thing, and I'm happy for them. But Alberto Mejia is the guy I'm excited about. He's at 23 years old, going on 24. He has a high spin forcing fastball. He has a changeup with decent movement that he's gotten better at manipulating. He has, you know, a, last year at least, a, a track record of getting strikeouts and not allowing walks. And uh, the slider is a plus out pitch. So, you know, there's nothing in this that's, that screams elite. And it certainly didn't work out uh, as elite in the sort of the five outs he got last year mm-hmm. um, in the major leagues for the Twins. But um, it could be a four-pitch mix that he that he uses to the best of his advantage and becomes an asset in sort of 18 and 20 team leagues and stuff like that. So I'm definitely he's on my radar in those types of leagues. Okay. And I think he's I I, mean, I own uh, shares of him in a couple of leagues like that. Alberto Mejia in Minnesota gets a job. Okay. Uh, Aaron Judge named the right fielder in New York. Can he overcome his major holes in his swing that uh, yielded like a 30 plus percent strikeout rate? To actually be a major factor this year, Aaron Judge. What was that little snicker? I just, I'm not that in on Aaron Judge, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, it's so unfair to like you for people to. Holes. I thought you were telling like some sort of dirty joke. No, 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 no. I, well, oh, okay, you caught that. Yeah, so I was gonna say the gaping holes in his swing, and <laughs> gaping hole is just an phrase that you don't really just you know makes you laugh yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> so, so yeah that's what it was i thought you yeah 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 I, I did snicker a little bit there i thought it was under my breath enough you caught me um he strikes out so much i've just he never been a huge out. fan 25 year old are we getting 30 homers this year some people some people talking 30 I, homers out of him i thought no because you know the people were talking stanton and all that um that's so unfair to him, by the way. That's so unfair that because they have similar bodies that people are, are putting that on him. 
Um, but, you know, I don't know if um, Jeff Sullivan, Jeff Sullivan actually did a little breakdown where he did compare him to Stanton. And he showed exit velocity. And on the exit velocity front, Judge, you know, is up there. Well, when he gets hold of it, it's great, right? But, right, but right. he gets hold of it in, in minor league outings or, or in spring training outings. Like the major league teams, uh, they got the book on him quick. Didn't he hit like three of those four homers quickly and then just went in the tank? And I know it's 95 plate appearances. And just because I don't like the guy, I can't take those 95 plate appearances more than if it was a prospect I'd like. I'd be saying, well, no, it was only 95. Don't worry about it. So I got to be consistent and say, yeah, it's a small sample. And it, in the grand scheme of things, does not mean anything. But the swinging strike rate that came with it is in line with with the issues that Aaron Judge has had, and I just wonder if his swing is too long, partly because he is so massive. Yeah, I mean, there was they did kind of do the slugger's handbook where he got he got fastballs forty nine percent of the time, and the league throws them fifty seven percent of the time. So he definitely, you know, he definitely they learned. Yeah, they weren't they were throwing him junk. And, um, he was, he was swinging and missing a lot. But, you know, I do like the fact that he still had that, you know, 10% walk rate. So, you know, in terms of maybe he's, he has a better time, um, you know, knowing if it's a ball or a strike rather than knowing what pitch it is. Uh, that could be what's going on. But at the same time, that's a decent skill. You know, you can, you can get pretty far just knowing if it's a ball or strike and, uh, learning over time you know, how they're pitching you and whether or not you can anticipate if it's going to be a fastball or not. So Okay, I'll, I'll lay off on him a bit. Now, hit me with a projection. What, 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 are, you, what are you realistically seeing out of Judge? Well, if they're going to put him in the major leagues and he's their starting right fielder, then I think that removes some of the floor, which is that he's a verse lefties part-timer. Um, it, that, that, that floor is not an opportunity. Right now, it's either he starts all year or he's in the minor leagues. Because you right. can't, you can't limit a guy like Aaron Judge to twice yeah. a week against left. That's, a, that's such a waste. So that if he does silly, yeah. hit a hundred and strike out 40% of the time in the first month, he's got to go back to triple A, right? I think it's, I think it's an, an exciting opportunity actually for mixed leaguers to buy a guy who could give them 35 homers and who will also not make you sit all year wondering should i drop this guy should i drop this guy you'll you'll have think, a verdict quickly is what you're saying i think so because three okay. or four weeks in if the team is going well they'll just say sorry judge you got to go back and, and work on some stuff or he's hitting well enough so i'll give him uh it's 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 black or white it's uh he hits you know 180 in you know 200 plate appearances all year um or he hits 250 with you know, with 30 tanks, 28, 30 tanks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll back off a little bit then that everything you said there uh, has, has convinced me a bit, particularly with the skill of, of at least knowing if it's ball or strike, whether, you know, and then learning about when to swing at it and not have a 44% strikeout rate like he did last year. I'll ease up a little bit on judge and, you know, I got a few more drafts. Maybe I'll get a share based on that, but then I can do the Chris list thing where, um, when he takes somebody's recommendation, if it doesn't work, I get to blame you. But if it works, I'm a genius. So that'll be, that'll be perfect. <laughs> uh, let's move over to another guy who's won a job. Raul Mondesi gets a second base job in uh, Kansas City. And this is intriguing for fantasy folks because he stole bases at about a 30 clip. 
per per, per you know 600 plate appearances last year if you if you if you extrapolate we're always careful to not just extrapolate and say that's who he is but nine of ten in 149 plate appearances and that's without even hitting like he was garbage 185 231 281 triple slash imagine if he's halfway decent with the bat this was as a 20 year old this is he romandis he's a baby he's got lineage pops was awesome uh and he was a big time prospect romandis second baseman in kc what do you think i'm not in on it Oh, suck it, Mondesi, I guess. <laughs> Just the strikeout rates are bad. The, the walk rates are bad. There was power, but if you if you look closely, the best power came in short samples. And the, you know, let me, I want to do this. I want to do this right. I'm going to do this. Meanwhile, while you look that up, I'm going to bring up his dad's numbers just to just to relish in the fact that his dad was oh, a total monster. You know, his, you know, his brother was his, his father was a part of the best defensive outfield at all time. I believe it. Um, oh God, I'm blanking. partially because of who was to his right. Yeah, I'm blanking on it. Oh, Andrew Jones. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yes. It was like Andrew Jones, Jeff Francoeur, and Raul Montes. Yes. Like the best outfield. The best I dare you to run. I, Billy, <laughs> let's teleport Billy Hamilton back there and dare him to run, and I guarantee he's gunned. <laughs> you don't want to be about that life, that running life against them. He had a 30-30 season in 1997. Pops did with a 310 average. How fantasy amazing was that? Yeah. Uh, he was he was he had two 30-30 seasons. He went 33-36 back in 99 as well with 99 RBIs. So anyway, just wanted to reminisce found, on that I while you pulled up the stats. Minor league ISO for Go the, ahead. All of the minors, 129. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. Well, I mean, it's it's not like oh my gosh, it's terrible. I think it, but it would. I think that's actually what he's projected. That's funny. One twenty nine is is what he's projected. But I don't know. To say somebody has power though, doesn't, shouldn't it be like at least one fifty? I guess that's only twenty yeah, yeah, points. One twenty nine. Sixty is league average. So we're saying it, it's not a zero, but a one twenty nine could be a zero. That means that one point oh nine six ISO he had last year could be real. So you're talking about a point. Like let's say maybe it is real. Let's say he has like a point one hundred ISO. He has a 4% walk rate, and he strikes out 27% of the time, 25 to 27% of the time. That's the Man, key. Man, that guy better be a vacuum out there. Exactly. Because there's the, n- nothing else going for him. The strikeouts are what kill me on a guy like Mondesi. Like, you yeah. can't be all those other parts of the profile and also strike out. If yeah. the strikeout rate was 11%, it's completely different because now you're talking the guy who could speed his way to 270. You know, he's, he's making things happen. He gets a little lucky with the speed and BABIP and all of a sudden he's hitting 290 for you. Um, but yeah, okay. That, I didn't realize he struck out that much. This was not a prospect. I'm, I'm aware of him fully, of course, but not deep dive. I didn't realize he struck out like that. That's, that's alarming. So you're not in on Raul Mondesi pass, but AL only, uh, consideration or for those that are in on him, I, is there even a mixed league format where you would say he's so cheap that I would take him as a middle 15 team or does it, would it have to be more than 15 teams? Imagine more than 15 teams. All right. Then... Suck it, Mondesi. Let's move on. Michael Brantley's been playing and that alone is news. Um, I, again, I think I've given you props on this. I'm going to do it again for those that might have missed that episode or didn't hear it. You called this pretty early in, in, in his injury issue saying that this might not be an isolated thing. This could be the start of the end of Michael Brantley, as we know him as a, as a stud who just battles injuries, uh, with the shoulder and the back and everything kind of being linked. Um, you know, he put 11 games last year, 43 play, It was a lost season. Any chance you're buying back in now that we see Michael Brantley's healthy and, and looking like he's going to start the season in the majors. 
Well, twenty-three plate appearances is a lot more than I thought he'd get. The you know, same. He, he was. He was. I feel like he was in the minor leagues just a second ago. I mean, not the minor league minor camp. League, I mean, like in minor league camp. Yeah. He was. He was taking swings on the backfield. He played three days so. in a row, uh, which was again. These sound like small little things, but with the advancement, with the with the progress that he's making, it's pretty big. Yeah, and I do actually think that his team needs him fairly badly in that outfield. It's not a good outfield. No, dude, it's... they got Austin Jackson, Tyron Aikman, and Abraham Almonte, dude. Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? What was, what was that first name? Almonte? <laughs> uh, I, I said Abraham. <laughs> Shut up, dude. No. <laughs> You're supposed to be the one who gets made fun of for <laughs> pronouncing people's names. Come on. <laughs> Abraham. <laughs> Sweet old Abraham, dude. <laughs> Oh, man, you're uh, catching anyway, me left and right on Chism, things today. What's up? Chisenbutt is hurt. So, yeah, Chisenbutt's nicked. Uh, so that means if they if Brantley doesn't start, uh, they're starting on opening day. Uh, well, it depends on who the starter is. But Geyer it probably doesn't depend on who the starter is. That means they're starting Geyer, Naquin, and Jackson. Oh, my. Oh, wow. my. Wow. That's not I good for the teams would be happy to have those guys as their fifth outfielders. That yeah, that's the thing. Those should all be fourth, <sighs> fifth guys, and they're and they're going to be starting for the defending AL champions. No, I, I think Brantley will be in there, and uh, that's interesting to me. I mean, if he's in there on opening day, then um, maybe he'll be better than I thought. Maybe can we get an either or for the for the weekend drafters uh, um, yeah. on outfielders here? You want me to give you a few names? Yeah. All right. Let me see where he's uh, going. Really, I still I we 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 gave him sort of two eighty ten ten, and I don't. I don't know if I would really push it a bunch beyond that, but maybe there's more volume than I thought in terms of runs and RBI, and then that those hits that you get to 280, 290, they become more valuable. So I'll start a little easy, just to say if you want to take a chance on the veteran who's done it before, or the guy who's never done it, Brantley or Andrew Benintendi. And the reason I jumped that high, just for those wondering, is that his min pick, Michael Brantley's, is pick 122. So people are back in on him, and that's exactly what Andrew Benintendi's average draft position is, 122. So that's why I started there. I'm going to jump down a little bit after this, but I just wanted to start at the high water mark and kind of see where you're at. Yeah, I'll still take Benintendi because there's a chance that, you know, all the projections are taking the, the light route on his power, but he's the only guy who ever hit the ball out of the stadium in Long Island. Or Staten Island. Oh, wow. So, uh, and that means into the water. Yeah. That, that park's so cool, by the way. Great, yeah. great scenic view. If you can get to the Staten Island Park, we had Fangraphs Day there last year, and it was really nice. Let's go with teammate uh, of Benintendi, Jackie Bradley Jr., or Michael Brantley. Uh, I'm looking at Bradley real quick because, to me, Jackie Bradley has more power, has more speed. Oh, nine stolen bases last That's year. That's the thing. He has not run a whole lot as a major leaguer. He's really been focused on the power um, and, and, Actually, and hitting. Actually, even as a minor leaguer. That's interesting. Uh, the most he ever had as a minor leaguer was 24. And that was 2012. And oh, that's surprising. Mostly, uh, I would have thought yeah, he had a 30. He's been a, a single-digit guy ever since. Oh, so, wow. I overrated his so speed. then you're depending on Bradley to hit 26 homers again, which uh, was kind of on the, 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 the big side. His projections have him hitting 260, 16, 7, which if they play the same amount of time, 260, 16, 7 is probably about the same as 290, you know, 12, 12. And so do you take, and then do you take the risk that? Actually, 290, 12, 12 is worth more. 
It, it probably is, yeah. If they play the same amount of time, for sure. Now, do you, yeah, so basically, where do you go is, though? Uh, you, you sprinkle Bradley's in the risk like factor. Healthy, and also Bradley. It's not just last year. He had a 249 ISO in 2015 too. So, all these projections uh, having him go to a 180 ISO are being pretty negative on him. So, I think I'd still take Bradley, but that's getting closer. Two more. Dexter Fowler versus Michael Brantley. Now I'm going to go Brantley, I think. I think that Fowler is going to lose. I think this is one of the worst parks he's played in. And oh, I know easily. We've, we've used parks before to, to, to explain things away. Um, but th- I think this is going to be the worst park he's played in, and I think it'll, it'll affect his OBP and, and, and batting average in just by affecting the batting average. So... Um, now we're talking about two guys that might both go, you know, 12-12. And now you're comparing um, the the volume that Fowler should have, but Fowler's had injuries in the past. Certainly. To uh, the extra, all those 30 points of batting average that you'll get from Brantley mm-hmm. um, and the health. So I think actually I'll, I'll go Brantley there. That's okay. where I start to turn. Uh, and then last one, you might go him, then, uh, you might go Brantley here as well, but, uh, Hunter Pence. Okay, well then you have the health issues, although... For both, yeah. And by the way, their current ADPs are right next to each other. Um, Pence and, Pence and, um, yeah, two, 215 and 219 respectively, Pence and Brantley, and 48 and 49, uh, outfielders being taken in NFBC drafts. And just in terms of batting average and home runs and stolen bases, uh, 290, 12 and 12 versus like 270, 18 and 5, uh, means that Brantley is better off. So I think, I guess Brantley over Pence. And I mean, if you got health concerns with both, you might as well take the guy who's four years younger. Um, you know, and, and, and those, the, the difference of seven, eight stolen bases, could be more valuable than the difference of six, six, five, six homers, right? Uh, I would rather have the stone base as well. I go Brantley as well there, so I, I agree with you. All right, that's either or on Brantley. A uh, few injuries to kind of wrap up here. Drew Pomeranz to the DL with a flexor strain. We knew he was we, he was nicked. nicked. Uh, he came out of a start, I think, while we were podcasting. I don't know if it was me and you or me and Jason, but uh, we, we covered that. He is going to go to the DL. Haven't found a replacement for him yet. Couldn't find whether it was going to be like some Henry Owens or I know Kyle Kendrick's been knocking around in their camp. Either way, the guys, the names that it could be are not fantasy relevant. So this is more of a focus on Pomeranz. How does this alter his value and would you still invest? Yeah, I think this just underlines the fact that he's Hillian even in injury. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's going to be like Rich Hill, but he's also going to be injured like Rich Hill. Yeah, he's going um, to be like Rich Hill a lot. The yeah. injury, the heavy curveball usage, the quality. I mean, he can be very good, but uh, yeah. it's that headache. And some some fancy players just don't want the headache no matter how good the output is. Well, it's hard to buy an injured guy who's currently injured. Yes, I agree. So I don't usually um, do it, uh, by the way, in terms of, you know, I know some leagues, some folks like to uh, leverage that. If they have multiple DL spots or an unlimited DL spots, they'll get three or four injured guys and then play the wire. In a shower league, you can do that for sure. But I I I don't love I mean, doing that. Expected value on a guy who's currently hurt, you know. Yeah, you have no idea. And a flexor strain yeah. can usually be the uh, the, the precursor to Tommy and John. The, and then there's the whole thing where the Padres may or may not have been hiding injury on him and everything. Yeah. So, uh, so um, I don't know that I'm really necessarily going to draft him. I'll give you I'll give you two guys on it either or here. Give me one sec. 
Uh, we'll just do a quick one with him. Drew Pomeranz or boring vet that we mentioned earlier, uh, Urban Santana. I might still take Pomerantz. I'm not sure. Uh, Santana has these good years out of every, out of, you know, then here and there, but he also has years where he's just, you know, not usable. That's true. That's true. Uh, Drew Pomerantz or another vet, but returning from injury, Lance Lynn. I take Lance Lynn. I would take Lance Lynn as well. I would uh, for sure. It's been a long time to to get better, and um, you know they're both going to have. You may only get 150 innings out of both, but you may get 200 out of Lynn because he used to be a workhorse. So exactly. No, I I would. I'm I'm pretty excited about Lynn. 200 seems like pushing it, but you know you could get 180 out of him. Yeah, but I'm. It is seems like pushing it coming back from Tommy John, but I would not be surprised because it's been so long. Um, and he was what such a workhorse. His arm for anyway. <laughs> that, that's the thing. It's like what 30, 20, 29 and thirty. Like this is not some baby arm that they have to protect as their next ace. Let's see what bullets he has, and if Lance Lynn can go two hundred, we'll get two hundred. All right, JD Martinez is going to go to the DL with a Liz Frank sprain, Liz Frank ligament uh, sprained in his foot. Um, this is not good news. Of course, it's another injury for for JD Martinez. And when, you know, we were willing to give him some break on some of his previous injuries, running into the wall in KC that busted up his elbow. Uh, you know, you can say that that's a little bit fluky or whatever. But it's also because he sucks at defense. So I don't even know that we can fully give him the uh, the the go ahead there. I guess it could happen to anybody, but maybe a better defender is a little bit more spatially aware and doesn't run into the wall. But either way, this there's another injury for JD. We have not seen Martinez go through. A full, you know, 155 game sort of season. He's amazing when he plays, but but how 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 good can he be? What do you think about JD Martinez now that he's hurt? I'm actually a little bit worried. Liz Frank is is not a good thing. Yes. You know, By the way, quick correction. Yeah. He does he does have one full season. It was uh, 2015, of course. He played 158 games, but the two surrounding seasons are 123 and 120. The the, the ratio of playing time or the ratio of work is excellent in that time, but it's only 120 games. So continue. You're, you're concerned with with him. Yeah, I mean, the Liz Frank is not is not a minor thing. No, I mean, not at a, all. Some people, I think, in NFL, it's cost people like full seasons. There was concern that he was going to have to get Liz Frank surgery, which was which was very scary. Which is really bad, yeah. So um, I don't know, you know, if you if you look at the revised projections, um, you know, they're down to 550 plate appearances. You know, if he misses a full month, you should really ding that down to 500 plate appearances. Um, that's really the most you can expect to get, I think. And if he's down to 500 plate appearances, you're expecting. Uh, by the projections anyway, you're expecting, you know, 22 to 24 homers and uh, a 280 average. And that's not even – that. those projections don't really bake in a ton of regression, you know, off of his good year. The, the good year came mostly from volume. That was the one year he had 650 plate appearances and he hit 38 homers. 38-102, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, either or on, on, on J.D. Martinez. Uh, J.D. Martinez versus Stephen Piscotti. Well, we were just talking about Biscotti because he he's had a poor spring. Yes, and he's and I, working on something. He's been we we read a piece um, to each other over the tunnel. <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> we, read, we read a piece together about how he's working on his back leg. I don't know. That doesn't somebody characterize that to you maybe as as him changing his swing. Yeah, and they had me concerned saying that he changed his swing and that's why he's sucking. And I was asking you, and you're like, no. So then we well, we read that piece. There was. Oh, it you said read that, it, 
Yeah, it said that he falls into bad habits, the old bad habits sometimes, but that he can identify it immediately. And it's it's like a, a mechanical thing where he's like just trying to, you know, uh, stay on his back leg. And, you know, it's not like, um, you know, he's going for a flat swing or he's trying to increase the uppercut. It's nothing really big. It's like a little thing he's trying to think about. So Exactly. Um, I don't, I'm not too concerned. And you're going to get more volume. So, uh, and if you believe in his power more than the projections do, um, then you would give him, you know, 275 batting average, the same 22 homers, but a lot more runs in RBI and, and stolen bases because he'll be playing more often. So, uh, he's slated to be right in the middle of that lineup, probably the cleanup hitter. I think I'm going uh, Piscotti. I think I'm going Piscotti too. He's going to put more balls in play than JD Martinez. And, um, then we have this asterisk of him possibly outperforming his projections because of a previous swing change. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about our best friend, Yasmani Tomas versus JD Martinez? I, I just can't answer questions about, <laughs> like when you say to- Tomas, like this, this red veil of anger yes. descends upon me. We hate him so much. He embarrassed us too by dropping 30 bombs I on know. our face like after we so clowned him. him. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, that's why I said our best friend. So we, we can't. We can't, can't do it. Straight on him. What can't. about Marcelo Zuna, a guy I like but has also dealt with some of his own injuries? He was having his breakout season, hits a wrist injury, and it clearly impacted the rest of his season. Uh, you know, he's pacing toward that 3,100 sort of year. Uh, the his deep... projections for the full season look like exactly what you'd expect out of J.D. Martinez in five months. Bingo. Then if you add in that playing through injury, which always actually hurts your projections – um, because especially since if he was doing well with, you know, some swing changes that he, and he was working with Barry Bonds, you know, you might have heard of him. And, uh, <laughs> also, um, uh, Luis Mercedes, who you may not have heard of, but Luis Mercedes works with Edwin Encarnacion. You may have heard um, of him. Uh, and, uh, Robinson Cano. He's pretty good. Uh, uh, Eduardo Nunez, noted slugger. Uh, Beast, um, obviously, superstar. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, good uh, good pedigree there in terms of who he's working with. W- was doing well. Got hurt through injury. Muted his numbers. The projections only see the full year numbers and say, well, that was a little bit like his 2014. Uh, that's the best he can do. I think at 26 years old, we could see a peak season from him. And uh, if it, if he's healthy all year, we could see him out out produce those projections by four, five, six homers. Now you're talking about a guy who's going to hit 275 with 29 homers. I think J.D. Martinez would have to come back with his hair on fire to hit 275 with 29 homers in five months. Yep. It, it pains me to not take J.D. Martinez in all of these, but I'm going Piscotti and Ozuna. I'm not going Tomas. I, I wouldn't take Tomas. I would take – I'm scrolling down as far as I can. Eddie Rosario versus Tomas. Give me Rosario. I would never take Tomas. But I am taking uh, Ozuna uh, over JD. May, like, listen, maybe just uh, don't listen to us on Tomas. Yeah, yeah. Wrong before. Get different but opinions. We are clearly biased, but we're not caving now. We've dug in. Low replacement last year again. He's terrible in the field. He's mostly a DH. His discipline got a, like a tiny bit better, but his whiffs got worse. I mean, there's still a very, very non-zero chance we're looking at Dion Vissier. Yes, and I think we've shown ourselves to be malleable on our thoughts when we're wrong and things change. 
I'm not so sure that things have necessarily changed, except that he embarrassed us with 30 homers, and it was right. a great number. But I, I'm not—I refuse. I'm not Other changing 30 it. 30 homers, he did almost nothing right. Exactly. So enjoy your 30 homers, y'all. Keep overdrafting Osmani Tomas. Please do that in leagues that I'm in. So uh, we're a little bit concerned on JD Martinez. You got to move him down your rankings, y'all. It, it's a must. Uh, let's move over back to Minnesota here. Byungho Park had an amazing spring, and you know. Remember when he was designated because the, the waiver whisperer, you know, Saris, uh, made sure that he was designated for assignment. So he, that happens to him. It looks like Kenise Vargas is going to get the job. Well, then Park goes out and dominates. Vargas goes out and struggles. Now Vargas has a little bit of an injury. Park's been sent to AAA. Robbie Grossman is the one rising from the flames that is the DH spot in Minnesota. So more about Grossman, but you can go ahead and give your thought on Park, Vargas, and Grossman. Are you touching any of them in any leagues this year? I have uh, Rosario and, and Grossman paired in my AL labor squad. Oh, yeah, so that's right. I, that's right. You know, I guess I would I would touch them. Um, uh, that was my fault, phrasing on my I part. I will shake their hands. No, I'll shake their hand and, kindly and say, yeah. boy, sir. Uh, I'm trying to find the name. So there, there was a name on the 40-man, Justin Haley. Okay. 26-year-old that came over this December in a trade from uh, the Angels, right-handed reliever. No, left, right, right-handed reliever, long reliever. On roster resource. I'm looking right uh, now. So, yeah, let's look at Justin Haley, man. Because Justin Haley, like not releasing Justin Haley, who is a newcomer to uh, the team and to that bullpen, uh, and somehow came from the Red Sox? No, you were right, Angels. Did I put the wrong thing in? Are there two Justin Haley's? What's going on? Maybe he started, and maybe he maybe it was one of those pass-throughs through the Angels. Double traded yeah yeah where he barely touched the angels system yeah, haley's been added to the twins final roster okay uh i don't i, I just he's uh he was a rule five pick oh my gosh there you go and so then they the the rule angels took pick. him and sent him to minnesota on the rule five who was last considered a prospect in 2014 um and a deep prospect at that and let me see here what uh uh Nothing stands out about the 25-year-old Haley statistically, but he was very quietly good as a starter in the high minors. He turned in a 3 ERA and a 3.33 FIP in AAA. Is he going as... to DH? Is that where this story is going? I'm no, kidding. no. I'm so kidding. He, I'm kidding. You no, know, uh, but he mostly did that on command and uh, not strikeouts and not giving up home runs, which doesn't seem like the greatest skill. And in the end, uh, I see a 380 FIP, so I don't know exactly. Uh, oh, he must have combined a 333 FIP in AA and AAA combined. Um, still, that's not amazing to me, uh, no. especially as a 25-year-old. Uh, the reason is, so they want, they didn't want to release him. They wanted to keep him on the roster as a long man and just to get a look at him, I guess. So they oh. must like something about him. The, uh, the, 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 the clubhouse, sees this guy who is a newcomer who maybe he doesn't uh, wow anybody because if he did wow anybody he'd still be on somebody's prospect list yeah he would have he wouldn't have been rule fived right exactly so they see well here's this rule five guy aren't we and the club the new management said something about you know clubhouse culture and changing the way things are and everything uh, very weird to then you know have this guy play really well 
uh, and, and park. You're saying he parked. He yeah, beasted. And then reward I, he... him. Reward him with the minor leagues, and instead, um, you know, take uh, this Justin Hanley guy, who uh, you know. Let me see here. What did he do for them this spring? He Haley uh, threw 16 innings to a five ERA. Sweet. Uh, with 13 Sweet. strikeouts. So what a monster. Yeah. And all Park so, did was hit six homers with just yeah. an obscene, uh, like 11, 11.59 was his OPS. Yeah. I mean, he did what he was supposed to do, right? And, and, you know, as the guy comes, comes over, is not young and you figure, Hey, make some adjustments, do better, do something on the field and we'll get you back up here. He does it and he doesn't get, so I see what you're saying. I was wondering where you were going at first, but yeah, so Haley gets a spot over somebody like Park. You're questioning how that might look on the culture of, of the, the Twins. But, you know, I guess if it's a more statistically minded front office, they're saying, well, we're not going to be amazing this year, and Park already cleared waivers, and so he doesn't have any trade value. Um, you know, we don't know how important he's going to be to our next team, but if, if we find this Haley guy and he's going to, he could be a starter for us, if we even have a back-end starter for five years um, on the cheap, then that's going to be worth more to us than having Park up. So Okay. I would guess I think I that, spun that. That's good. You gave both sides there. I guess that Haley, um, I guess that they, you know, Haley takes over for Hughes and Mejia in games where they blow up or Santiago, uh, and they do that early on. And uh, either Hughes gets returned to the bullpen, somebody gets hurt in the bullpen, um, you know, Mejia goes back to the minor leagues maybe. There's a lot of different, you know, he has two options left, so... Um, either Mejia goes back to the minor leagues and Haley steps in for him. That opens up a, a roster slot. It, that's I'm talking about 25 men. So there's a, still a 40 man problem where they'd have to release someone or someone have to get a long term injury. Um, so so there there is there is a problem. There, there is a yeah. There's a problem for getting Park back to the majors is what you're saying. So be careful with that investment. Don't just say hey he had a great spring. He has to come up soon. Is what is the bottom line here? Yeah. Yeah. Someone would have to go on release waivers and it could still be Haley. Uh, maybe they want to see what he'll do in the major league. So maybe uh, they throw him out there for a couple of long starts and he's not that great. And they return him to the Red Sox or the angels, or I don't even know. <laughs> or auction him off to whatever team. All right. Uh, yeah. let, let's move on here. Uh, we're not going to get into the ramifications of, of Jung Ho Gung's disgustingly awful decision-making to continue to get behind the wheel after drinking. We can all acknowledge like, that how many times three, Three, and problems with 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 an alleged sexual assault incident, but that that is it. We know that his well, decision making. I do want to say something about that. Is that as terrible as those things are? Our our uh, society has given people plenty of chances, especially if they have talent. So particularly with I drunk do, driving. Yeah, and I do think he'll come over. And well, uh, so I'm almost. He's had, he's he's appealing. An actual sentence. There was an eight-month sentence. It, it's suspended sentence right now. Yeah. So. Uh, so he has to get his visa. But so they, I think they've suspended the sentence. But the visa is having uh, trouble to get back right. over to the states. Which you know, I'm not going to say I'm glad. Like it, that's the I'm weird sure it's word. Like a red flag situation where. Yeah. You know, you can't get a visa if you're currently, uh, you're currently suspended sentence. Basically but, so on probation. Then you, but then you. The Pirates owner, Frank Coonley, says he believes the Pirates have the information to get Kang a visa. Well, yeah. 
when you have a billionaire yep. who's suddenly, you know, calling Trump or whoever. Just throw you know, some cash over there. You know, you know and, and um, you know, inviting Trump to throw out the first pitch. I'm not throwing this on Trump, but, you know, like, you know, making this. Listen, it could have been with Obama, too. Like, this right. is not even a right-left thing. It's you like a billionaire powerful guy can call the White House. Over for work. Usually the way work visas work is that, however, the more important you are, the more they'll overlook and the more they'll they'll do to get you over here. So uh, the pirates really need him. You know, it doesn't look good behind him. They actually, actually at this point, in the, they need him. So uh, it's going to be freeze basically. Would you and, uh, would you invest? Would 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 you, would you take him I'd in a fantasy hold, league? For, for sure, I'd hold. And I'm and I'm holding even in in a twelve team. I have a twelve team league. So um, should I have I'm, kept him for nine dollars in NL only eleven teamer? I didn't. By the way, I turned in the keepers without him. Should I have? I think I would have in a lonely, but um, where the hell were you two days ago? Well, you know, you might still draft in that time where everyone thinks he's not coming over. Sunday, no. Yeah, we're draft. We're, we're auctioning Sunday. Three, four, five bucks. I mean, I think I'd still do it. Paul or uh, Tim, if you're listening to this, close your ears and don't be stupid. Let me have him for four bucks. <laughs> There's two guys in my league. Don't, don't, don't be, don't be jerks, guys. You don't want him on. You guys don't want drunk drivers well, on your I, team. I don't. Yeah, right. And and there's still some question about what kind of a batting average is his true talent. But I do think at this point we can say he has good power. It's frustrating because I really liked him as a player. He seemed like, you know, a good dude based again based on watching games and he had a boisterous attitude and uh, you know that that was the outward appearance of it. But he clearly has an issue with drinking. He needs to get it under control. Um, I wish the best for him in terms of getting his life together, but it is kind of crappy that he's probably going to figure a way to kind of skate on this, get back over here, and it's going to be like nothing, nothing happened. You know, I, th- I think even if he comes back over, he should probably face a suspension. You know, I, I, I don't think that that would be out of bounds of Major League to say, okay, we'll let you back in, but you're going to sit for 50. You got to understand that you need to make better decisions, man. So anyway, we don't have to be moral police over here right now. It's just I'm disgusted by people who get DUIs like three freaking times you know it's bad enough to even get it once to three what are you doing are you waiting to kill somebody or yourself okay sorry I uh, rant over Jung Ho Gong we'll see if you want to invest in him it's at your own risk for sure let's end on an up note um, and talk about the fact that the White Sox are still quietly shopping Jose Quintana we get, we get like a rumor Every five to seven days, you know, that another team is, is just kind of looking at it, which is interesting because usually this time of year, you don't get much on the trade rumors except for those very small trades where they have 26 guys they want to bring north. Obviously, they can't bring all 26, so there's some, you know, uh, bench guy who can get traded because he could fill a spot on another team and it was excess on another. Well, this is obviously an impact strong player. The latest rumor has the Cardinals looking in. Houston and Pittsburgh are the other teams that have been rumored. Frankly, I would be giddy if Jose Quintana went to any of those three teams. What do you think about the likelihood of Jose Quintana being traded? I think that it's pretty likely, but I've talked before about how it's he's under control for four years and the White Sox have to hope that they can be useful in four years. Well, they did a lot to change that this year with the uh, this off season with their with their trades. I'll right. say that. But at the same time, they got some decent pitching back in those trades. So maybe if you can give them a hitter, then I think they're gonna they're gonna be interested uh, because I think that they they look like the kind of team that to amass you know uh, a bunch of hitters in that park and then and find pitchers along the way and I mean they and they also have um, like a bevy of guys that are super high ceiling and Kopech and. And Giolito. 
So, uh, you know, I think uh, whoever gives them hitters is, is the one that's going to get their attention. I think the Cardinals don't necessarily have as much on that front. You know, their best deal probably is something like Waka Weaver and something. I don't even know how many years of, of Waka they have. Uh, the the Astros have a much better uh, farm system. So, yeah, they do. They they could give they could give plenty. Yeah, and I think you know, obviously, the White Sox are like, well, give us Bregman, but you know, uh, probably not happening. But there's uh, if the Astros decided to buy low on any of the things that the, uh, the if the the White Sox decide to buy low on any dis- distressed prospects, they could get a really big package that's highlighted by a bunch of hitter names like Reed. I don't know if Singleton's still bouncing around. You know, they could take a bunch of hitters, right? Yeah. They could take, take Reed, a group and see what's uh, what. Teoscar Hernandez, yep. you know, who could play center for them. Derek Fisher, uh, solid prospect. Yeah, Derek Fisher. And none of those guys would necessarily be a top 10 prospect, uh, which is the weakness, I think, of the Astros' uh, offer if it if it is like that. You know, I think a lot of the – So be quantity best, over quality offer from Houston. Yeah, but who's who's offering them? Who has you know a bunch of top ten prospects lying around that they took know, them all from every? They took them all yeah. from Boston and Washington. There's no top ten prospects left to go get. I mean, like, would the Yankees jump back in and try to you know throw Frazier and something at them? I, I think know. they like where they're going, and if they were going to make a move, I think it would be for somebody a little bit better. And it's not that Jung Ho, or uh, Jose Quintana is is good. Yeah, more AC. That's that's why he put it plus. Can they bring him Quintana back? Is probably like the best number two in baseball. Yeah. Uh, well, he's where the, that's where he came from, by the way, was the Yankees. That's why the White right. Sox have him. So they don't want to admit their mistake. I, mean, yeah, I don't know how much that plays. I'm, I'm mostly joking with that. Yeah. But, uh, I think if they were going to make a move with their big system, it, again, it would be for, for some, some sort of ace type. I'm trying to think of what ace would even be available. I don't really know. Um, but you know. My Tigers would take Glaber Torres and Clint Frazier off your hands for Justin Verlander. I love Verlander, but I'm out here trading him uh, if if I can to 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 get my team my favorite team stocked up. So let's just say that. But uh, yeah, so percentage chance that Quintana's traded before the deadline? Go. Before the deadline? Yes, before the uh, deadline. Sixty-five. Ooh, that could be really interesting then, especially if he goes uh, St. Louis or Pittsburgh, because then that's a new arm coming into NL only leagues uh, in June, you know, in May or June. And that, that, that extra month or two could be massive. So I'm not saying save your fab for it. You gotta, you gotta go for what's available, but just keep that in the back of your mind. A lot of years to control. Pittsburgh, you know, doesn't normally do deals like this, but there's a lot of years of control and need pitching. So it could actually, you know, Pittsburgh is, I think, an interesting dark horse. Though. Oh my God. Quintana in PNC Park. Oh my yeah. goodness, that would be really nice, y'all. All right, you know, any final thoughts here as we wrap up and head into the final draft weekend of the, re- well, final draft weekend before the regular season starts. I know a lot of leagues still draft the week right after, uh, when all the rosters are set, but this is the final one if you want to have your team before opening day. Any final thoughts from you? No, I, I've, uh, watch your steals. I think that you could make a list in your queue of, um, of power sleepers, guys like Tommy Joseph, uh, Brian McCann, you know, mm-hmm. even Valbuena in deeper leagues. Those guys that I was talking about earlier. I think there's more, you know, guys like that. Lucas Duda. There, are, there are power guys that you get later on. I think I would make a list of those guys that you're comfortable with that you would put in your util slot that could give you 25 to 30 homers, and then make sure that you buy your steals before you get to that point. Because you can always, I think, get a guy at the very end that'll hit you 260 with 30 homers. So, 
you know, I, I, I think that's the new reality of the game today. And, uh, and the, it's even harder. Like a Dyson type is, is, is I think more valuable than a Duda type because of that. I, I, because of the relative scarcity of the two things. So. I, think, I think you said it very well, and I will agree with that. Uh, good luck in your draft this weekend and anybody else that's drafting. And you and I will talk next week when, when real games are happening. You know, Get excited. I'll talk to you later. Yes, good luck, and thanks for listening.